0: to Verde Vision ATX podcast. I'm your host, Vanessa, here with my partner in podcast as well as in life, Puck. Are you ready for episode two, Puck?
1: Oh, yeah. I'm more than ready. I've been waiting all week for this.
0: Awesome. How are you feeling after episode one? Uh,
1: After episode one was great. We had a lot of great feedback. A lot of people reached out, uh, took part in our poll. Um, I think I lost to the FC Dallas versus Houston debate, um, but... Uh, we'll see after this weekend, but, uh, I felt really good after it.
0: Awesome. So absolutely. I, I want to join Puck in just saying a huge thank you to our friends and a few new supporters who have taken the time to show us a little love with a follow or a like on our Facebook or Instagram page, um, or our website. We have no clue what we're doing. Um, but it's the support from you guys that makes us think we might not suck as much as we initially thought. Um, or we just have really good friends.
1: Definitely, definitely, some good friends listening out there, some new fans. Um, we got some love from the Austin FC subreddit. Thanks for those of you out there that reached out. Nice. Um, and we're excited to do the second episode.
0: Fantastic. So be sure to follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Verde Vision, or visit our website www.verdevisionatx.com, uh, and you can subscribe to our Apple Podcast as well. So today we're going to tackle a recap of last week's games against Vancouver and Portland. We're also going to look at this weekend's upcoming game against FC Dallas. And we're going to engage in a very civil friendly Pucker Vanessa style debate around uh, proteins, namely the names that they rally under and the cities they actually play in. Should teams be able to claim the name of a city they don't even play in?
1: Or actually be named after the cities in which they play in?
0: Somebody has a very strong feeling about this, Verde Nation.
1: Looking at you, FC Frisco. I mean, Dallas.
0: <laughs> All right. Okay. So first up, we, we've got to talk about last week in the games that we had against Vancouver and, and Portland.
1: Definitely. Last week um, was a very Jekyll and Hyde week of a team. Um, one game looking vastly different than the other. Um, different approaches. Um, J- Josh Wolf looking really smart in one, maybe not so smart in the other. I'm usually a big Josh Wolf optimist, but I think I'm going to hang some of the blame on one of these games on him.
0: Awesome. All right. So, yeah, first, let's talk about our shameful shameful display against the vancouver whitecaps um i am new to soccer and even i know that was not good uh what are your takes takeaways from that game puck
1: yeah our game against vancouver i think the biggest thing i took away from was one vancouver has a lot of athletes on that team and i mean fast they're they had a lot of young speed And Josh Wolf came out, and he's really leaning towards this 4-3-3 formation lately. Um, And he says a lot that this is an attempt to be more aggressive. But when you only have three in the middle and three up front, you have to either be prepared to handle pressure or have a good game plan. And Vancouver came with speed. Um, And the pressure they put on our midfield early made our back line look really sloppy. Especially towards the start of the game. We had a very hard time uh, dealing with the pressure with our passing. And really, frankly, our experience midfield looked more like our slow midfield compared to the Vancouver's. Yeah.
0: I, I agree. I think, you know, one of the notes that I had is just how we were plain and simple being outrun, like outrun, outgamed. It was glaring, you know, the differences between the two teams. I think, you know, a couple other things that really stuck out to me were just the number of turnovers at our box. Um, I think in the first half alone, we had three, almost four. Those are like, they make my heart sink when I'm like, oh my gosh, like we had that one goal scored on us already this season when, you know, we had a little bit of a fumble back there by our own box. Those can't happen. I mean, is that, is that fair to say like that can't happen?
1: No, definitely. As a professional team, you cannot give up turnovers in front of your box like that. But I think it's a big sign of how we were playing early in the season, the formation we were playing early in the season. This team got really comfortable maintaining possession. And as a player, when you're maintaining possession that much for that long, you get really comfortable. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly you get a young, hungry team coming in with a lot of speed and that comfort isn't there anymore. And it leads to sloppy play. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And I think the other thing that really stuck out to me and what I learned, you know, as a progression of this season, but that really stuck out for me was how we were just being smothered. You know, anytime we had the ball, they were all over us. And I'm really starting to realize, and you made the comment and it really stuck out to me, like how three dimensional the sport of soccer is and how when you're being smothered on the ground and, you know, you, you can't create any space there, you have to create space vertically, you know, get some, are they called like crosses where you cross across the field?
1: Yeah, we, we were doing a lot of really short passes with, against a lot of really fast players and it was not looking good in the middle of the field.
0: Uh, for me, the saving grace of that game was Alex Ring. Uh, he, I, I loved what he was doing. He was aggressive. He was going after balls. Um, I don't care if some of them were fouls. I liked them. Like he was the only one that really kind of seemed to take a stand and do something different.
1: Yeah, he, he showed why he has the captain's armband. And that's for sure. He came out, that dude is the Texas Viking, from henceforth known as. He puts his heart out on that field every single game. And when the rest of the team is playing a little sloppy, the defense isn't there. He's going to step up and show everyone the heart they need to be playing with.
0: Yeah, He was our only goal of the night, too. He had that really nice snap header assist from Driussi. And there was a moment where we kind of felt like some life might be, you know, breathed back for
1: us yeah and that's at least his third one for the season if not fourth and it showed in the next game where josh wolf decided to put him in a more aggressive attacking position um i think the next thing to notice in that game and the thing you have to talk about in that vancouver game was how awful cecilio dominguez played
0: i can't i can't do it i i can't
1: he he played terrible. He was subbed out in the thirty minute Not, mark. not
0: even before. He got subbed out in like the twenty eighth minute. Yeah,
1: he was subbed out very early. Now, Josh Wolf said in the press conference after that game that Cecilio came to him and said that he had been feeling bad, uh, sick, even uh, earlier in that day, and they had a talk with Cecilio saying, you know, you have to let us know that, but. That is still on Cecilio. You can't be a professional level soccer player getting paid that much, the top top two paid DP on our team, and and turn out a performance like that. It it was it was hard to watch.
0: I think he's under a microscope. Um, I think that I, I, I'm letting it slide because he did redeem himself against Portland quite a bit. He was a much different player. Just what four days later,
1: yeah, yeah, you can definitely tell his physical shape was the cause of it, it over like a mental s- or skill issue. Um, he was just off, there was something wrong in that game, absolutely. But credit to Josh Wolf for spotting that, not trying to be too not trying to outsmart the room and work through that and sub make the sub when it needed to be made.
0: And then I've got I've got one more shout out for Alex Ring at the the 91st minute. He had those two saves, like two in a row. He is it called a tackle?
1: Yes. He tackled
0: not once. He got up and he tackled again. Like the man. uh, Hats off. Alex Ring had my heart in that game.
1: Yeah, definitely is. Again, why he has the captain's armband. That guy is the real deal. Um, We're very lucky to have him on this team. It was very smart for the front office to bring an experienced um, guy that can come in and do it all in the midfield. Um, He showed us he can attack, he can defend, he can direct, um, he can do it all. That all being said, the Vancouver loss, I'm hanging that on Josh Wolf. I'm hanging that on his head. That was the wrong formation for our slower possession-based team to play against a younger athletic squad. And he came in and didn't adjust the formation until too late in the game. And normally I'm a Josh Wolf optimist. I'm normally Wolf in, not Wolf out. Uh, but uh, that one, I, I to be a f- honest fan, I'm hanging that one on Josh Wolf.
0: Ooh, tough, tough crowd here, guys. All right. Well, he did listen to the people and on Saturday against Portland came up with the, the Verde polo. Uh,
1: the, does the man make the clothes or does the clothes make the man?
0: It's hard to say with Josh Wolf. I, I I just don't know.
1: Still no sweat.
0: No sweat.
1: And he, he is cool under pressure at all times.
0: In it, central Texas, y'all, which I don't know if we have any lister listeners outside of Texas yet, but our summers are oppressive. And we are in August, which is the heart of Texas summer. And we've yet to see that we have HDTV. We would know if there was a, a bead of sweat on the man's brow and we've not seen it.
1: No sweat in the brow, no sweat in the shirt. I don't think I've seen a strand of hair out of, out of place. Yeah.
0: Is it Botox? Like, le- what is it, Josh? Like, le- we need to know.
1: I still have a bounty out for any pictures of, of Josh Wolf sweating on the sideline.
0: We have a lot of conversations about his sweat glands in our house. It's not weird, I promise. <laughs> it <laughs> um, might be a little weird. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, the funny thing was after that Vancouver game and before the Portland game, two different press conferences, um, leading out of one and into the other the media even brought it up because uh, the fan section was so loud about how they've never seen him wear verde uh on the sidelines and i think that's one of the beautiful things about this team is that kind of noise from the fan base not only makes it through the media but to the coach and the coach responds and he said in the press conference when it came up um i forget the name of the company I think it was cricket or something like that, but they had him green polo shirts within like a couple hours of hearing all of that. And he decided to wear it and, uh, don't ever, don't ever take it off.
0: (laughs) So I, I agree. I think the relationship between the fans and the team at this point is super symbiotic. Like they love us. I genuinely feel they appreciate what the fans are bringing to our culture and in supporting them. Um, and, and I, it goes Both ways. I mean, as much as some people are not loving the outcomes of games, overwhelmingly the support is just so incredible.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. And like, even shout out to the other media folks in the group. I mean, um, the other podcast, Capital City Soccer, um, Verde and Black, the official Austin FC podcast, and then the mainstream media guys, Cave View, the Striker Texas. They are tuned in to what's happening in the fan base, and that's not that doesn't happen everywhere. No, oh, it doesn't. It does not. And they, and they were bringing it up in the press conference, and they're asking the tough questions when they need to be asked, and they ask the fun questions when they need to be asked.
0: So I'm curious, like, is this a thing in soccer? Do coaches typically wear the colors of the team, or is this just kind of a, a random request from the fans?
1: Oh, not always. And I think that's one of the fun things about soccer is you really have um, a big difference in different leagues. Like, you have the suit and tie coaches. You have the sport coaches leisure wear coaches. You have um, the coaches that kind of fall in between um, the young hip coaches, the old hoodie coaches. Um, you have all of the... Uh, is there good- a
0: Bill Belichick of MLS soccer wearing a hoodie?
1: Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know if he wears hoodies every game, but I think the New England Revolution coach is literally the Bill Belichick <laughs> of MLS. And he's in New England. It, it They they could almost be brothers. It's It cracks me up.
0: That's That's pretty funny. We're gonna have to put a link to a photo of him. I've never seen him. So I'm curious.
1: Yeah. Tune into the page. I'll see if I can get that up this week.
0: <laughs> awesome. All right. So let's talk about the Portland game. Um, I did not take as detailed notes. I will admit I was enjoying some libations and just enjoying the atmosphere of a winning Austin FC at home team. What, 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 what were your takeaways?
1: I think the biggest takeaway I had between the Vancouver and the Portland game is how much Komenich is valued on this team. Kolmanich on the field, even though he is an under-22 signing and he is a young player, he is a difference maker in our squad. His ability to shut down that back wing while at the same time being able to push the ball forward and feed in crosses from that side of the field, we really missed that. Vancouver was a a counter-attacking team, and Kolmanich was dealing with that ankle injury from the Real Salt Lake game. He wasn't in there and those counterattacks were coming down his side of the field and they were hurting us. He was in there in that Portland game. He shut that down and not only did he shut it down, he came in with beautiful crosses. He was keeping the action, pushing forward from that back line back wing side. Um, and I, that's the one of the biggest takeaways I took from that game is how much we missed him when he wasn't out for being such a young player.
0: Wow. Yeah. And it obviously it resulted in a win, Driussi had his first goal at Q2 Stadium, which was a beautiful moment.
1: Wild thing.
0: What did ring had another one?
1: Yes. Ring had a uh, and Dominguez. No, Fagundes. Fagundes had one. Dominguez had a penalty.
0: That's right. And Driussi. And Driussi. Yeah. Yes. Ring didn't have one. The first, the one from Vancouver, just, it still resonates. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Any other thoughts on that, on that game?
1: Yeah, I think the, another big takeaway between the Vancouver and Portland games, and I think we we touched on this with the Vancouver game, is the amount of longer passes to, cha- to flip the field. Yes. In Vancouver, we were doing this. We were stuck in a short passing game. We were trying to defeat quick burst athletes in short distances in the field, and it showed how much we lacked the game plan to do that. And for some reason, in during Vancouver game, we were very hesitant to, to long pass and flip the field. And Portland, anytime we got pinned, anytime they tried to get aggressive, we bombed it to the other side of the field and it completely changed the game. We would get it to an open part of the field. We would force their defense to have to shift and run to the other side. And we made them pay every time. Notice much more longer passes in the Portland game
0: especially in that first half, the second half, we kind of fell into our little witching hour habits. Things got a little scary. What is it about, like what is happening when we're coming out of that locker room after the half where we have this time where we are struggling to kind of recollect that momentum and the ground that we had in the first half?
1: Yeah. I think it's one of those back to the formation. Um, Josh Wolf is really now that we have Triusi and Gite waiting in the wings. I think he's trying to prepare us for that style of play. So we've been switched over to a 4-3-3 the last couple of games, and that formation leads to aggressiveness. And when you're aggressive, you, it's kind of live by the sword, die by the sword kind of thing. And we were playing that four-three-three early in the game, and we, like the last big takeaway from there was Fagundes and Triusi switching off on that other side of the field playing off of each other, doing really well. And then towards the end of the game, Drew came off. Um, the, formation switched. the formation didn't switch up for a little bit. We were still in a 4-3-3, but we were playing very defensively. Right. And that 4-3-3, I don't know if it lends to a defensive style of play. I'm not a soccer guru. You know, I'm I'm just, I am an ca- uh, average to slightly above average fan. But I definitely noticed when we went to a defensive style to try and shut the end of that game down, we looked like we were in trouble in a lot of spots. And we stopped, we took our foot off the gas. Yeah.
0: And there was like the last 15 minutes entirely, we were fully defensive. Like we were playing back by our box. We were just playing keep away. It was not fun to watch as a fan. I mean, that first half was so dynamic and enjoyable. And I guess I didn't really understand, like we have the lead. Why are we being... So safe. Like, why don't just why don't we just stretch things out and try things offensively at this point? It was it it was frustrating.
1: Yeah, it's. I mean, it's. I don't think it's uncommon for soccer teams to try and switch to a defensive uh, group of guys to maintain a lead towards the end of a game. But I think the difference is, and I Josh Wolf talked about this in the in the press conference after the Portland game where he brought in Jared Stroud and a couple other guys, and then they finally switched to a five in the back. Uh, and that's good, but you, if the team isn't on board with that switch, if you haven't prepared your team, like, hey, if we get up, we're going to go defensive and we're going to try and shut this game down. They're, they they do not know exactly what's going on. They're not on board with it maybe necessarily. And it definitely looked like that in that like 65 to 78 minute range. Um, you know, we, took that our foot off the gas. And I think it's hard when the floodgates on scoring open like that. And suddenly you watch the team fall back and you just, you're not exactly sure how to, how to take that. Are we, are we getting beat in the middle of the field or are we just being too defensive? And in that formation, I think maybe we should have either stayed more offensive for longer or made a formation switch sooner.
0: Yeah. That's smart. That makes sense. And, I mean, I am not an average to above average soccer fan. I am very new. And so um, I, that's good insight. I would not have thought of it that way. All right. So Saturday is sure to be another beautiful night at Q2. Um, we're really looking forward to those magical Verde lights. We want to see those. Uh, what are you hoping for, expecting, or otherwise anticipating against our second showing against FC Dallas?
1: Yeah, FC Dallas, who I still think, regardless of the poll results, is the better rival. Uh, People have spoken. I watched Ricardo Pepe in that MLS All-Star versus Liga MX All-Star game. Um, I think they are going to bring a lot of pressure. I think maybe they might be a little too comfortable coming in, and we might be able to capitalize on some of that. I think, I don't know if this is going to be the team that magically flips the switch on. I don't I don't think – Portland is a team that's been suffering a lot this year. They've had a lot of issues this year. Seattle scored 6-2 on them. Um, I don't know if we're suddenly going to be the hottest team in the league, but I think they're in for a surprise. So if they come in and they think it's going to be the same game as last time, I don't think Wolf's going to make the same mistakes. I think we see a little bit of Gta in the second half.
0: Surely we have to.
1: Yeah, he's definitely going to come off the bench and get a few minutes. He almost did against Portland, but I think – they just held him back a little bit longer. Um, I think what we see is the the trend we've been seeing is as we get more aggressive, the back line gets a little sloppy. So I don't expect this to be a shutout. If we win this game, I expect it to be two one. If you know, I think if we get a one one tie, I think I think we we'll, we can walk away happy against this team. Um, if we're on our game, our formations are going good and we have a good lineup, everybody's healthy. I think we win two, one, if we're lucky three, one,
0: I like our odds against FC Dallas. I think, especially if we have GTA, um, and riding the momentum of our, of our victory and playing at home, I like our chances. I agree. I think a two, one victory, um, is likely, uh, I'm gonna, I'm going to put my bet on it. I'm gonna
1: say we win two one. Yeah, gonna shoot your shot. And I'm gonna think, shoot my shot. Think so? Yeah. All right. I'm a, I'm I might be a little more hesitant. I think I think FC Dallas is a sneaky team. I think they're a team that they don't have a big fan base. They don't have a lot of hype, so they fly a little bit under the radar, but I think they're dangerous. Not maybe necessarily defensively, but I think offensively they can be sneaky. Really, what I'm gonna be looking for in this game is how well do we shut down the counterattack? We've been good at putting pressure on the box and we've been good at maintaining possession. But the one thing we've been really susceptible this year is teams counterattacking us when we try to get aggressive. And if we can be aggressive while preventing the counterattack, we will win this game.
0: Awesome. All right. So before we get into our POV or P or V debate, um, let's go over the results of last week's poll. So last week we asked, who is the better rival for Austin FC? Is it FC Dallas or Houston Dynamo FC? And the people have spoken. And also, I'm super psyched because I didn't know that anybody would take the time to respond to our poll, but we had a whole five people. (laughs) And that is an odd number. It is enough to have a victor
1: yeah five on the poll i think we had some other people that were actually like on the comment sections and some groups that maybe didn't go to the site so if you were in the comment section make sure you go to the site and uh, make and cast your votes there too
0: and we are working on a better um, polling system to where you can see the result of the poll after you vote Um, we realized through feedback that after you cast your vote it just says thank you and you don't know how things are going but we did have five votes Three for Houston Dynamo FC and two for FC Dallas, and I know for a fact one of those FC Dallas votes was you. <laughs>
1: it was it was not me. It was an it was an email alias. I don't know what you're talking about.
0: Shame shame. Uh, so yep, we had Houston over Dallas for everything. Nobody cares about Dallas because it's H Town baby. <laughs> we had Houston fans are confident. We had one person uh, vote for FC Dallas and they said, as a newbie, I can only base my opinion on 2021 stats, but it looks like FC Dallas is currently the team to beat. The recent encounter of Dallas and Houston ended in a 2-2 draw, so it looks like both teams brought the heat pretty equally. It'll be interesting seeing the outcome from both Dallas and Houston versus Austin FC. That is thoughtful commentary. Thank you for that
1: yeah i think uh houston fc is the better rival definitely won the poll um not sure i'm i'm persuaded yet um but for more experienced and this is some things i learned in the comment sections of some of our of our posts um more experienced mls fans um say that the houston fc uh front office hasn't been that great the last few years yeah. So their team on the field doesn't lead as much, but their fan base still brings it. Yep. Um, I think maybe some of the sleeping on FC Dallas as a rival is maybe because they should be called FC Frisco. (laughs) And maybe because they're not actually in Dallas, but we might get to that topic here in a bit.
0: Okay. Okay. So let's talk, Puck. You have real feelings around the names that pro teams take particularly the cities they claim in their name. Is that a fair statement?
1: That's beyond fair. If, if, you're, if your team is named after a city, do you have to actually play in the city or even at least the county of the city you're named after?
0: So why, do you, why, are, you, why are you not a fan of teams taking city names they don't play in? What is your reasoning for this?
1: it's complicated because definitely I'm not the type of fan that thinks you have to root for the team of the city you're born in. Right. Like I am, I am, you know, I don't think if you're born in a certain city, that has to be your team. But if you're the team that you're getting, I mean, let's get political for a second. You're getting tax breaks from the city. You're getting the name of the city. You're, you know, you're copying a lot of the vibe of that city. I think you should at least be in the county. That you're named after you know you should you should share the vibe of it i think the the thing that makes austin fc so dynamic is that the the city is a soccer city we have wanted austin fc here for a long time and a lot of that energy from austin comes through in the stadium same thing with houston when houston played us here they brought their fans and that houston gritty city energy came with them if you go
0: but also fun loving
1: fun loving they were a great time don't get me wrong I, Houston FC you guys you know I hope you lose every game, but always <laughs> bring your fans because they were a blast um, but I mean when you go to FC quote unquote Dallas and you drive to Frisco, Texas, you're talking to someone that grew up in DFW Grand Prairie Arlington, Smack dab in the middle no one from DFW is going to say Frisco is Dallas. It doesn't have the same vibe. And when you go to the, s- the stadium in Frisco, it feels like Frisco. It does not feel like downtown Dallas.
0: Okay. Is that your argument? Uh, It's part of it. Do you want to, do you want to say anything else to solidify your claim before I decimate you? (laughs)
1: Um, I mean, if you think that you're going to decimate me, I'm I'm interested to hear it, but I just think if you claim a city, but you don't bring the vibe of that city, it only hurts your organization because you don't, you don't incur the support of the fan base because the fan base isn't with you. Fans from Dallas are not driving to Frisco to support your team. And they're definitely not coming into Q2 and bringing in any noise.
0: So I have two qualifying questions. Does this apply to sports outside? Does this apply to professional sports outside of soccer?
1: Yes, it, I, I definitely apply this to all sports. If you're the quote unquote Dallas Cowboys and you haven't been in Dallas for over a decade, uh, I have an issue. You know, if you're if you're any sports team and you claim the name of a city that you haven't played within in a long time, I, I take issue.
0: What about teams who take the name of a state instead of a city?
1: That is where I get shaky on the argument. Because
0: oh, is it, it now?
1: Well, it's because it, it's hard when you claim oh. a state, uh, and there's no, there's no contestant. Like the thing about Texas is we're so big here. Um, you know, we have three soccer teams. We have two football teams. We have two, uh, we have two baseball teams and three basketball teams. Two
0: hockey teams. Two
1: hockey teams.
0: Wait, even. one hockey team. One hockey
1: team. One hockey team? Yeah. Okay, so I'll take your word for it. Um, one hockey team. Um, we're huge. But when you, when you have a state where, you know, your state may be big, but you only have a few big cities, um, you can, um, you know, claim the state. But it still is kind of, it, it gets a little touchy for me.
0: Okay, all right, I'm gonna stop you right there. I was hoping that you would redeem yourself with those qualifying questions, but you didn't. You dug your hole deeper, Puck. Oh my gosh. Okay, so first of all, the, the argument about the, the tax base and the fan base, completely, completely nonsense. The, the tax base has nothing to do with how good your fans are. That's just financial incentive to plop a stadium somewhere. I also don't think it's realistic to make a team change their name if they have not played in the city they're named after within so many years. As cities grow, as populations get dense within cities and new stadiums need to be constructed, it is impractical to expect all teams to stay within the same city that they originally played in and not to move outside of the city limits for cost savings or more space. So that's what I'm going to say there. Do you have a rebuttal? Of course you do.
1: The city, the city that they originally played in. But it, what if they, what if they didn't originally play in that city? What if they were always outside of it?
0: Okay, that I'm. We're gonna get there. Okay. So here is my. We we know Puck very, cares very much. I do not give. I I, I don't want to be vulgar. I do oh, not care. We
1: almost got real adult there. I, know. I was. I was ready with the bleep button.
0: I do not care. I do not give a hoot, nanny. What a team is, what they're named after. So I did some digging. I did quite a bit of digging, and I have Uh-oh. a lot of examples. So in the NFL alone, there are several teams who are named after states and or regions. And you said the team will not have the support of the fan base rally around them if they're not within the city they play in. Is that what you said? Did I hear that
1: problem? They're definitely less likely to have the support as much.
0: New England Patriots. Mic drop.
1: New England Patriots. They, New England is a very small area. I think their three states are probably as big as the DFW Metroplex. Um, uh, you know, you, that's, are you comp- making a, a fair comparison there?
0: I think I am. Uh, but I'll, I'll go further. I'll indulge you and I'll go further. We also have the Minnesota Vikings. They are actually based in the Twin Cities of Minneapolis and St. Paul, but the GM decided to leverage the fandom of the entire state.
1: Okay, but how many how many other big cities are there? Like if you're if you're in a state and you have 3 big cities mm-hmm. and no other competition and you're going to just claim the state. I don't know if I can fault you for that.
0: Okay. All right. Um, So we also have the Arizona Cardinals, we have the Tennessee Titans, we have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So those are NFL teams that are named for the state. There are also MLB teams, and you talk about not being able to claim the state if there's other competition, Texas Rangers Mm. play in Arlington, and they're a state-named team when there are other MLB teams in the state.
1: Yeah, but the Astros are cheaters, so... (gasps) You know, it was one time. <laughs> I think it was like three times, wasn't it?
0: <laughs> this is a soccer podcast. Exactly.
1: I don't know why you're talking about baseball. What about MLS I'm teams? Cardinal fan, anyway. I think I think MLS teams though have a pretty good. Most of them have a pretty good track record for being in the cities that they play in. Though, don't don't they?
0: I didn't get that far, but Ooh. I I did one better. Because we're MLS, but let's look overseas. Let's look at Ooh, I didn't see that European soccer. Okay. Because there are some very big teams who do not play in the city that they're named after.
1: Oh, this is interesting. I didn't know this. So I'm a big I'm a big Bundesliga fan, but but I admittedly um, did not don't know that much about like English Premier League or the Spanish league La Liga.
0: These are just five English teams that don't play where they live. you ready? Everton Manchester United although some people will say this is debatable because they play just outside but Arlington is just outside. Frisco is just outside. so mm. for the sake of your argument, Manchester United applies.
1: okay that's a big that's a big club that's a hard that's hard to argue with I'm going to admit.
0: Barnett 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 Grimsby town Grim Grimsby town
1: I don't even know what that is
0: in AFC Wimbledon
1: okay they're all outside how do we know how far outside or
0: I didn't get a chance to look into how far outside okay but they do not play in the cities where they live
1: okay I think Manchester United is probably your biggest argument there uh you know that is a major club with a major fan base, a huge history. Um, so I think you you got a you got a point. You can persuade me, but it you know did, were they ever inside the city?
0: we'll have to do more research. You'll have to try and dig yourself out of this hole in your own. (laughs) All I'm doing is presenting the facts, sir. And just to put the, the little period, the little dot on my sentence, a couple other professional teams that do not play in the cities that they live, both the New York jets and the giants actually play in New Jersey. The San Francisco 49ers play in Santa Clara, the Las Vegas Raiders play in paradise The Dallas Cowboys play in Arlington. The Washington TBDs, that's what I call them, the Washington football team, play in Landover, Maryland. The Buffalo Bills play in Orchard Park. The LA Rams and Chargers both play in Inglewood. Miami Dolphins play in Miami Gardens. That might be a little bit of a stretch. Um, We've got the Los Angeles Angels playing in Anaheim. The Arizona Diamondbacks playing in Phoenix. The Detroit Pistons playing in Auburn Hills. The Phoenix Suns playing in Glendale. The Phoenix Coyotes also play in Glendale. The New York Islanders play in Elmont. The, uh, where's the other one? Nope, that's it. I'm, that's, that's it. So my my whole point is this is such a common thing. It is not practical for teams to play in the cities they live in. It's just not practical.
1: Maybe not, but here's my counterpunch for this. The teams that do actually play in the cities and claim the cities which they play garner the most support. I think the only team I heard on that list of all the sports and teams you listed that might be contrary to that single point is Manchester United because they have a diehard fan base. But mm-hmm. if I look at the biggest teams that in any sport that have the, the most known following diehard fan base... I think they live in the cities that they play for. Seattle Sounders, Die Hard fan place. They're in Seattle. Portland Timbers, they're in Portland. Austin FCs in Austin. Philly Eagles in Philadelphia.
0: Dallas Cowboys in Arlington.
1: Their fans are delusional and haven't won anything since the 90s. No one counts them.
0: The New York Jets. New York New Jets. New Jersey. Mm, Those no. are diehard fan bases.
1: Buffalo Bills in Buffalo.
0: Not in Buffalo. Orchard Park.
1: Mm, uh, they're
0: still in These Buffalo, New mm. These are your roles. We're
1: going to see. I think I think teams that play in the cities which they're named after have the biggest fan support. And please, anybody listening to this, go to the poll. Back me up on this. I obviously did not do as much research as you did here. But I'm going to say if you count the teams with, like Pittsburgh Steelers, they're in Pittsburgh. Uh Give me give me another one. Indianapolis Colts. They're in Indianapolis.
0: New Orleans Saints in New Orleans.
1: In New Orleans. Yeah. You know, the the if you I'm just trying to help you. Oh, I I might need it on this one this week. Um, but I I definitely think if you are actually in the city and get the vibe of the fans for which you represent, I think you're gonna you're gonna have way more support.
0: All right, folks. So there it is. Go to the poll at ww.verdeivisionatx click on Episodes, Episode 2, and at the bottom, make your vote. Does it matter if a team is named after the city? Does it matter? Oh, God, I have to figure out how to even word this question because it's ridiculous. It's not. What, how are we wording this question, Puck?
1: Why are, why is it better <laughs> that teams that play in the cities are named after that is not. and why do they have more fan support? I'm in charge of the social media posting and I'm going to post about this all week.
0: The question guys, the heart of it, we'll figure out the wording later. Does, a, should a team play in the city they're named after or does it not matter? Tell us what you think. We're going for seven people this week. I want Se- seven.
1: I want seven. I want 10 people to tell her why she's wrong. Help me out
0: awesome all right guys well thank you for tuning in for episode two uh we don't know what this one's going to be called yet we'll figure it out in post-production
1: well it's, it's the copita de tejas austin strikes back is that what this one is this is the continuation it's not over yet we we get a chance to play fc dallas and houston dynamo one more time we're gonna figure it out
0: all right all right stay tuned folks Um, Until next time, stay safe. Enjoy the game at Q2 or wherever you're watching from. And we will see you next week.
1: All right. Thanks, everyone. Have a good night.